You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. I just habitually run one anyway, just because. And folks, there we go again. We're starting out Geeky Show Ever, episode 204. And damn it if Mike doesn't have a run again. I tell you, we just have a run with Mike. He has the electronic runs, I think, anyway. <laughs> That's why we call him Mike. <gasps> yes. And there she is. Another voice heard from another another member of the geek community, <laughs> folks. The 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 one that I teased about last week, Melissa Davis, aka the Mac Mommy and friend to all of us, has joined us this week. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing? Hello, I'm I'm great. I'm fantastic. Actually, I've done uh, this is my third thing, my third favorite thing to do on a Sunday after napping and a bubble <laughs> bath, and now podcasting. So hey. naps. Naps, bubble bath, and podcast. That should be that should be a new show. There you go. I like that. No, I. Well, you know, you and I were texting earlier, and I told you I said uh, I got up, had breakfast, got in the recliner, and took a nap. Yep. <laughs> hey, great minds think alike, right? <laughs> yeah, breakfast just wore me out. <laughs> yesterday we had two two birthday parties back to back, and those wore us out. We got quite a bit of sun yesterday. It was in the probably in the nineties yesterday. Well, that's yep. that's way too warm. I know, and and that leads into the, be- the the perfect thing, that the way we start every show, the world famous, can't the listeners wait? Yes, they can. <laughs> weather report. Your it's, Melissa's already told us she was ninety yesterday. Not her age temperature. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel, though. <laughs> Mister McPeak, how be you? Oh, not too bad. Um, I think we're about 43, somewhere in there, uh, awesome weather. All that evil snow out back is melting now. I actually went outside without having to put a coat on. Um, it felt kind of nice. I actually sat outside for a few minutes, got this thing called fresh air. I don't know. I'm jury still out in that one. Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, it's actually 44, at, you know, 13 feet above my house because I have a weather station there. Um, because I am that geeky, uh, so yeah, it's forty-four degrees here, and like I say, it's uh, and I think it's supposed to get better. But the thing is, this is South Dakota. This is March. Uh, next week, we could be buried in snow again. So we uh. enjoy it while. Oh, shut up! We enjoy it while the, while it lasts, and then we know that that you know evil queen and her tiny little minions will come and you know try to destroy us, and we will weather the storm and persevere. Well, it was. Let's see. It's. 37 here for me right now in uh, Virginia, and we did have a beautiful light snow Friday morning, Thursday night into Friday, early Friday morning. I tweeted out a picture for anybody that happens to follow me on Twitter. You can see it. Uh, a good friend of mine was taking her morning walk, and she snapped a really nice shot of the snow. Um, but I'm missing my snow. The last of the snow from dear friend Jonas, who blew through here in January, is starting to fade away. It's very sad, and it's going to get hot and miserable here. It's supposed to get to, like, 60 tomorrow. It's 68 here now, so I can oh. almost empathize. <laughs> That's hot and miserable. It is. <laughs> I'm, it's actually I'm, comfortable. Yeah. But it's, it's like, 70-something in the house, so the house has retained the heat. So I <laughs> just fought with my husband about the thermostat. <laughs> oh, can I turn it down to 74, please? Uh, yeah, no, well, that's – let's see, I turned uh, – our thermostat is set – at 71 if the heat needs to cut on and 72 for the AC so uh-huh. I keep it kind of right there and then, then if it's warm I have the, today I had the ceiling fans running and my wife's going get off the fans yeah <laughs> well that, dry, that drives our sinuses out we've been coughing and hacking it's just we are you guys in the flu season out there we're, I was told by a nurse the other day we're just almost out of it 
because it's been hitting pretty hard here. Yeah, I think we're close. Yeah, we're in I'm, it. Well, it, you know, at the school there, I, I see more than I need to sometimes. Uh, and I have, I have uh, yeah, I haven't seen too much lately. Uh, I think from time to time we go around and try to like sanitize things a little bit just to try and break the cycle a little bit. But um, I don't recall because there's been times when, you know, they were dropping like flies, but I don't think it's been too bad this year. We've all kind of had, even within my family here, we all took different turns being, you know, uh-huh. ill at one point. So, um, but I don't remember it. And this is the first time I've actually been, you know, driving the big white bus, uh, flu sick for, well, I would say four or five years. So I guess it was about my time. So it was pretty bad then if, if you're not used to getting sick and you get it, huh? Well, yeah. Um, did you get a flu it, shot, Mike? Yeah, I did. That didn't work. Well, no. Well, considering I'm handling other people's garbage all the time, yeah, yeah, I'm flu shot. You know, at some point, I'm starting to reach that age when I should start maybe considering a pneumonia shot, perhaps just to be safe. Uh, you know, take precautions. You know, always use protection, people. Well, no I matter keep, what you're doing. Well, I keep the handle of my cane sterilized. <laughs> My walker you have too. to. Yeah. I'm ster- I sterilize my my devices, my phones. <laughs> I'm constantly wiping stuff down. I actually keep handy wipes in my purse and hand sanitizer. And oh yeah, I'm a big germaphobe. I I am and I'm not. I guess because I've again as somebody who stood you know almost knee deep <laughs> in human feces. Um, you know, you, you certain things don't bother you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well. Or growing up on a farm and the things you had to do just as a necessity of, you know, trying to keep the animals alive or whatever. You know, your hands went all kinds of places. But still, up there, it, it's one thing. I Animal waste, you can, you know, get diseases from that. But it's just something about human, uh, you know, sh- sharing things. That, and like I said, I could see how why Howard Hughes ended up being the way he was because all you have to start doing is looking and thinking about all this stuff and your skin starts to crawl and you just feel like putting on an evac suit. I've actually proposed the idea of putting a big old uh, sheep dip vat by the door and everybody who comes in just has to be submerged, you know, kind of like, you know, <laughs> thou shall be cleansed. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, just as a precaution or, you, you know, okay, they thought that was a little extreme. I said, well, how about just antiseptic misters when you come through the door you just bathed in a little mist of uh, antiseptic uh, you know whatever just keep me safe it's all I care. well we do have that at the school I mean I don't quite think it's it's good enough but it's better than nothing um, I really kind of wanted to advise the computer lab teacher when she first started that just how dirty computer labs can get just the oh. keyboards I mean Ugh. if you've ever read studies about the pathogens and things that live in keyboards it's pretty mm. pretty nasty it's why I can't do it full time in a school anymore because I used to you guys know I, I used to be a site tech and right. I just I was sick chronically I mean long the long and short of it was I found out that I have fibromyalgia and that kind of can contribute to compromising your immune system so I don't have the best immune system you think that I would be like some kind of you know I don't know germ resistant person but I'm just not I get it from my husband's a high school teacher and then I've got a kindergartner and a fourth grader so I just get it from all angles it's like I cannot escape it it's constant moving petri dishes 
Yes. Basically, basically. And then, and then I go and I volunteer and I have to really limit my exposure because volunteering with the kindergartners, they're, you know, uh, they're just little slime buckets. They're, they're yeah. adorable, but they just ooze from like every orifice and they're constantly, and right now it's funny because they're going through, it's funny the cycles that you see, you don't think about it until, until you're in it. Right now, a lot of them are going through their first loose tooth. So every time I go in there, they run up to me, Mrs. Davis, Mrs. Davis. And they like, they, they show me their mouth and they, they want me to look. And then they stick their fingers in their mouth and they're wiggling their teeth and they're showing me which ones came out. And some of them will actually whip out the tooth out of the bag. Like, look, this just popped out today. I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, as they stand there and spurt blood all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an episode of The Walking Dead or The Crawling Dead or whatever the case may be. Oh, um, sometimes, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's what? They're they're adorable, but man, you, you go to tie their shoes and you're like, what's that smell? Never mind, I don't want to know. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Oh, yeah, that, pretty much. There was a thing I saw, I'm trying to think what... I was looking at a news video, and then this other video came up in the feed. This poor little girl, she was, I don't know, maybe eight years old. And she said she had this constant runny nose for months and months and months. And they'd taken her to the doctor and all this stuff. And the doctor had, and then the mother said, you know, the stuff that was coming out of her nose had the most god-awful smell. Well, that's not good. Said you couldn't stand it. And then... a couple days before this video was shot the little girl sneezed really hard and out came a rusted uh, uh, safety pin that had, oh my uh, gosh. had been up oh. there decaying oh my god like, oh my god uh, I am so fortunate Knockwood that my kids have never done that kind of stuff like I hear those stories all the time they just get curious and they start sticking stuff up there and I'm just really lucky maybe it's because I've told my kids the horror stories that I've been told maybe that prevented it I don't know but I'm grateful that they haven't been doing that <laughs> yeah that's just that was it that was I, it was all rusted it wasn't even a solid anymore oh it's like oh my god God. That's tetanus right there, man. Uh, little girl was just jumping around. She was happy-go-lucky. Didn't nothing bothering her, but oh and, man, and her runny nose was gone. So she was wow. Happy. <laughs> so okay, now that we've made most of the listeners you know, throw up <laughs> <laughs> or or gross out, we actually did invite Bliss on here because of she has a special gift that she's alluded to. <laughs> Well, you guys wanted to talk about about uh, geeky parenting and, and things like that, and when we were talking about the weather, it remi- reminded me of one of another things that uh, that we do. I've actually trained the boys now to grab either my phone or they actually have their own iPhones that they've gotten as hand me downs, so they're just basically iPods. They don't actually work as telephones, but uh, I've trained them to slide down from the top to view the weather and then tap on it. And so they enjoy looking at the weather app and, and seeing, you know, what temperature it's going to be because there have been, it's, it's odd here in Arizona. It's so hot during the, the biggest portion of the day, but the mornings are really, really cold. So you still have to have like a windbreaker or a jacket or something. And so we've gotten to this, this stage in the last few weeks where we haven't really needed the jacket, but we just still kind of take it with just in case. But they've been arguing with me. My little six-year-old, he's really into like rule following right now. I'd love it if it would stay that way, but I know it won't. <laughs> but uh, he's really like, no, no, Miss teacher says I have to have my jacket. And I'm like, okay, let's look at the weather. Let's see if you need to have it on. And so I've been teaching him how to look at that and the clouds and when it's going to rain and that sort of thing, which is not much here. But so that's, that's one little geeky tool that, that we use is showing him how to look at the weather. 
Um, so the other story that I was going to share with you, I, I alluded to it last week to Kevin, was uh, my son had been given an assignment in music class, actually. They were talking about different composers. And evidently there's this book that the teacher has, and it has coloring worksheets in it. And she wanted them to, she assigned, I think there might have been like two kids that would share a composer. So, so she picked out a bunch of different composers. So almost every child had a different composer to do. And so they each got this coloring page. And at the bottom it told you, you know, when they were born and when they died and uh, a little blurb about their life and that sort of thing. And so she just wanted the kids to, she wanted the kids to do a report alongside of it. And she just wanted them to learn about the composers and the times in which they lived and what kind of conditions they lived in and that sort of thing. And so my son had gotten uh, Franz Schubert. And he only, I, I learned this, I, you know, I don't remember all of that kind of stuff from school, but when you, evidently when you have children, you have to go back to school. Nobody, yes. nobody told me this. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me this? <laughs> so oh, I have to relearn yeah. a lot of this stuff. So anyway, he only lived to be about 31 years old. And uh, so we had to go and do some research. We read the Wikipedia and we started looking at pictures. And he lived back in the, the late 1700s, early 1800s. So, of course, there wasn't really a lot of photography. And so we had a very limited selection of paintings to look at. And, of course, you know, they have their various interpretations about what colors they wore back then and that sort of thing. So prior to this, my, my son, before we researched it, he thought he'd get a leg up on the assignment. I was proud of him, you know, and so he came home with this coloring page and he started coloring it in and he used colored pencils. And um, the way that he colored it was quite uh, fabulous, I should say. Uh, very, you know, rainbow patterns, uh, oh, okay. put rainbows all over the walls and uh, the piano, you had it all decked out in all these different colors. I mean, it was just very colorful. Had a lot of rainbow patterns in the on the walls in the background. And I said, honey, it's Schubert, not Liberace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he doesn't know who, who Liberace is, but uh, we'll learn about that. And, you know, it was a little bit too uh, Jefferson Airplane of a background <laughs> for that time period. So, you know, I looked at it and I thought, you know, how do you tell your kid, like, they colored it wrong? I mean, is there such a thing as coloring something wrong? Come on. So I had to kind of delicately tell him, well, it's very creative. It's, it's lovely, really. Um, but And I read the instructions, and the teacher really specifically, she did want the kids to go for as realistic as they could they could find. And uh, so I said, well, this doesn't quite meet the realistic <laughs> requirement. Yeah. And then he's telling me, I guess, I guess the teacher had said something, you know, she only gave everybody one copy, and I guess he interpreted that as he couldn't get another copy. And then we had the illness come through, and then there was a holiday in there. So the problem was that we could not get another copy of this. So I start going online and I start Googling and I'm trying to find this worksheet. I'm thinking maybe some other teacher somewhere else, you know, uploaded the worksheets, you know, who knows, maybe it's available. Maybe that's where she got it from, you know, so I'm trying to find this worksheet online, can't find it, can't find it. So we're pretty much stuck and I'm, I'm taking an eraser to it and I'm thinking, yeah, there's not going to be any erasing this. So the tool that I use to, to deal with this situation was Pixelmator. Have you guys used Pixelmator? Oh, yes. You're familiar yeah. with that? It's like a Photoshop alternative. Yes. So I said to my son, I said, all right, let's, let's nerd out on this. Let's, geek, let's get geeky <laughs> with this. So I said, watch, this is what I'm going to do. So I scanned in the coloring page that he had colored, 
and I brought it in a pixel meter and I showed him how to use the magic lasso tool and how to use the selection tool. You know, I, I made a second layer that was white so that it had a white background. And then I showed him how to select the different areas of similar color next to each other and how to delete those and how to, you know, so I basically I used pixel meter to uncolor. I uncolored my son's homework. <laughs> oh, poor kid. <laughs> I got it, yeah, I got it back to, you know, as close as we could. So there was a couple of areas where there were still some colors. And, and he's like, Mommy, it looks like there's blood coming down the walls. <laughs> okay, we can fix that. Okay, here, son, here's how you use the eraser tool. And, you know, here's how you change the size and the, the uh, opacity and the strength of it and all that kind of stuff. So I got to, it was actually kind of a... A uh, bad lesson gone good. I, I got to teach my child how to use Pixelmator, how to, you know, basically the, ver- the verb now is Photoshop, right? We have Xerox and Kleenex and we have Photoshop. So I showed him how to Photoshop a document, basically uncolor it and get it back to a state where he could color it. So we printed it out and then we used colored pencils. And I, I did, are, are you guys familiar with adult coloring books? Have you ever tried that? I know of them, yes. You know of them. And there's yeah. apps for that, too. And so I enjoy those myself. There's just something very, very meditative about it. And so I colored a version. And I you know, wanted to show him how to use colored pencils to blend to get the colors. Because we were trying to get the, the wood grain and the piano. And the, you know, we researched the different kinds of clothes that the men wore. And you know, a lot of the paintings showed that he had this kind of crushed blue velvet looking uh, suit jacket with this big fluffy tie and these beige pants and so you know he wanted to know how to get the skin tone just right and because he had a couple of their faces were quite orange <laughs> a little bit oopa loopa looking so he went okay this is the oopa loompa version here's more of a, a flesh tone <laughs> so it, it was a good experience of you know uncoloring a coloring you know picture you can fix things with with technology and then uh, I did confess to the teacher, and I told her about it, and we all laughed together, and she thought it was hilarious. So I, I scanned the pictures, and then I emailed her, like, here's the before, and here's the after. I just wanted you to know, you know, I want you to appreciate how, how hard we worked on this. So yeah. he, he did really well. So that was, that was fun, fun with technology and parenting. Well, you know, that was uh, Mike and I last week. We did uh, kind of a short show, um, and I was talking about my dislike for the fact that uh, – Two out of the three of my children have been assigned Chromebooks, and they ah. have and they have no textbooks. Mm-hmm. And the challenges we face with them using exclusively Chromebooks, um, I'd love to hear about that because we're we're not there yet, but I know it's coming. Um, we are not a one to one school yet, but my husband's school is. Now they have they don't have Chromebooks; they have some kind of a HP tablet deal that has one of those screens that flips around and you can use it as a tablet, but nobody actually ever does. Oh, you uh, mean like the yoga books or something like that? Or, yeah, uh, forget yeah. what it's called. So he so he works in a school where it's one-to-one, and I actually, I like it. I mean, I'm not the one doing the job, and I he was very, very, uh, he wasn't against it, but it was, you know, with teachers, it's like, oh, now we have to learn something new, and here's a whole new thing on our plate, and uh, but now he likes it because he can design his tests and he can tweak things and he can reuse things. And it's uh, he's coming home with less milk crates and huge middle of folders full of crap. And instead, he's just <laughs> with a backpack. You know, it's kind of that's kind of refreshing to see. And we have like half of our dining room table that we can actually use ah. for for the real you know eating purpose instead of it being covered in grading homework all the time. So yeah. that's, that's that's a nice perk. Um, but my children go to a school where they have Chromebooks. They have they have a mixture. I, it's very um, 
It's a, it's a lower income school, so it's very kind of cobbled together, but they have a good mixture of things. Like I helped de- deploy the iPad, so they have iPad 2s. They're old, but, you know, they're there. They have um, PCs that are running like Windows 8, and I think some of them are getting upgraded to Windows 10. And then they have Chromebooks. So they have a mixture of a few things. They don't have any Macintoshes, and that's boohoo, but, you know, it's hard to afford that in this day and age. Yeah. Now, the school system here has standardized on Google Docs mm-hmm. and Chromebooks. Now, it's my younger kids that have the Chromebooks. My older doesn't, but that's getting ready to change. They're kind of, they phased them in like right in the middle, mm-hmm. and then they're spreading it up and down. Did they do a pilot first, and then yes. they, okay. They did a pilot, um, I think it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think they did the pilot. It w- They did the pilot the year my oldest was in eighth grade, so yeah, they did it two years ago now. So, um, and it worked out okay. I mean, but my problem with it, as I said last week, is like I've been trying to help one of my kids with some geometry homework. Well, Mm -hmm. if all you have is the stuff on the screen and I'm trying to figure out, you know, the congruent angles or something like that, I'm sitting there going, I need a damn protractor. And do you know how hard it is to put a protractor on a (laughs) screen and try to line it up? It's next to impossible. I would be more happy if they would give them tablets and then supplement, you know, as a supplement to some text. Mm-hmm. Because really right now what happens is they have their online stuff that they have to do. Mm-hmm. But then the teachers are also passing out these horrible photocopies that have been copied, you mm-hmm. know, 10,000 times. It's like, okay, maybe you should have reprinted it once or twice and then mm-hmm. continued the photocopy. It was kind of like Mike and I mentioned uh, I don't, you're probably, do you remember Mimeograph? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, that well, was my job when I was a little kid. That was like my, my elementary school job was to go pick up the Mimeographs and, oh, I love that smell. <laughs> I, it, the smell was excellent. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Smell I love how warm they were. Cause this was back in Pennsylvania where it was quite cold and I, that was how I warmed up in the morning. <laughs> go no, pick up a but my problem was I'd always get the test that was like one of the last ones off the damn Mimeograph machines. Going, oh, what the hell is this there asking? <laughs> I can't see squat. Uh huh. And I, I actually complained to my school's assistant principal. I mean, it was like a, you know, I just have to say this kind of thing to them. You know, I wasn't trying to be mean or anything, but I'm like, you know, we should be able to expect better. They handed out these science worksheets where the kids were supposed to fill in. This was for their science fair, I believe. It was one of the stages, and there was a what I'll call a watermarked logo in the background, except that it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like 20% gray. It was like black like the rest of the text. So it covered all the text. And I'm like, are oh you God. kidding me? How are we supposed to write on this? So I complained and a couple other parents complained. And I, that's, that's kind of the good thing about our school is I, that's what I like about it. Uh, one of the many things is that you can kind of voice your opinion and at least you're heard and they do something about it. So they actually re-photocopied them all. But I was like, that's a huge waste of resources. Oh, yeah. And money right there to have to re-photocopy all that. I mean, didn't somebody spot check that to begin, you know, can't you just, you know, let's photocopy one before we press, you know, the 300 button, right? You know, like, let's let's just see how this looks first. I don't know. Well, then it's, you know, they're trying to keep, you know, they've got their Chromebook. And then they've got all these binders that they now carry with all this paperwork that they. Uh-huh. It's it's not really helping things. It's all maddening, all. yeah, it's maddening. It's like it's well, I don't know. I mean, you can't have it. Doesn't I would like it to be like an all or nothing. Like, all right, let's take all the worksheets and make them, you know, an online component. But then, like you said, when you have to use a protractor, or like in my case, like my husband, I think that's one of the reasons why 
one of the things that we tried out first when he first got this tablet, uh, this this combo tablet laptop thing was because he teaches physics. And one of the things that we're always looking for is, well, how are you going to write out formulas? Because there's a lot of different yeah. things that you can't just type out on a keyboard. Exactly. You know, he needs to be able to write it out, and the kids need to be able to write it back. So there is still the case for handwriting. And, I mean, I'm a big proponent of handwriting. I really was upset when, when I was working back in the schools. That was back during the time. So my son's nine now, so that was like a decade ago. And that was when they had taken, they had removed handwriting from the curriculum. And it's still removed in, in some schools from what I hear but in our school in particular, they brought it back, I think, in the last two years or so because a lot of parents pushed back. And we were like, you know, we're going to have a whole generation of kids that can't read the Constitution, a whole generation of kids that won't be able to read letters from their grandparents and great-grandparents and from the war and you know things like that. They won't be able to look at memorabilia. They won't be able to look at archives and things like, what, you know, how, how – I don't know. I just – I think they should have handwriting. So I'm really happy. I'm a big proponent of that. and. I've been doing whatever I can to support my teachers at the school, and that reflects. So, you know, yeah, we're techie, we're geeky, and we love all this tech, but there's a time and a place for it all, right? I mean, you still need to be able to write things. Exactly. I mean, I I use a combination, and uh, I think we both know Elaine Giles, uh, Mm -hmm. her her show, the uh, uh, Mac Bytes podcast. You know, her and I have talked a couple times about the benefits of Microsoft OneNote, which I use a lot to take meeting note, uh, meeting minutes in sometimes. But I still find myself a lot of times handwriting and then transferring it to keep it mm-hmm. in OneNote. Like, it's actually, like Evernote? Yeah, it, yeah, OneNote is a lot like Evernote. I'm not a Evernote user. It never fit my brain. It doesn't... My brain goes left, it goes right. I'm not sure with Evernote what the difference is, but I don't... Evernote doesn't get me or I don't get Evernote. But, um, you know, that being said, handwriting is still very important uh, from my perspective because sometimes sitting in a meeting, especially if I'm leading the meeting, giving a presentation on something, I can't be taking notes, you know, on my laptop while I'm presenting information on the screen. And, you know, handwriting just works. I mean, whenever I have a problem, I always have a pen. I always have a piece of paper. I don't have to worry about if the Wi-Fi happens to be off or on, you know, because of some weird problem because some places in our office building seem to have a Faraday cage around them or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to worry about that. The pen and paper always works. So I mean, I agree with you. I guess it's a long way of saying this, Melissa. I do think that handwriting is very important uh, for kids to learn. And we're actually, we actually work with our kids to teach them handwriting. Good. Um, I'm not a handwriter. I, I don't, I still print. I have printed my entire life, but I, you know, I do know how to read handwriting. I can read, uh, what's the old saying? I can read joined up writing. Uh, but, uh, you know. Could you write cursive? It's just not something you prefer, but you could do it in a pinch. I never could write cursive fast mm-hmm. enough. Okay. I don't know what it was. I never well, I think that's the, the real key. I mean, that's the bottom line. The whole reason for teaching handwriting is for speed. Because another thing that my husband brought up was that they went and they took, uh, they took, handwriting out of the curriculum but then there was a certain test like i don't remember exactly which one it is but it's some sometime when they get up to be like an 11th grade or so where they have to take some kind of a test or, or any of those tests like towards the end of the year as they're going through the graduation process where they have to write an essay and it's written you know they might be still doing uh tests and things online but there's still going to be tests that there's there's a written essay component now 
more and more, I guess, they're moving towards places where you can type in your essay. But testing is a whole big, huge moneymaker, as we know, in education. So if there's a place where they're still using a test, they're not going to spend all that money to go and make it a digitized version. They're going to use what they have. And so a lot of these places are still passing out paper tests where the kids must write an essay and they have to write it in handwriting. And what they realized was, this is what my, my husband told me from the last couple of years, was they went and they, they had this whole generation of kids where they dropped handwriting from the curriculum and then the kids went to take the test and they were like screwed because they couldn't write fast enough. So then they're like sitting there struggling, trying to write out their answers and just really not having a good time of it. So that's another argument for still teaching handwriting. I just think there needs to be a balance. I think it needs to be about efficiency and about what tool is is best for the kid's environment. And that's not always going to be the same across all kiddos. And the argument here, a lot of people push back here. There's a lot of technophobes in this area from what I've experienced. And a lot of them will blame it on accessibility. They'll say, well, we don't have the internet at home. Or like in the case of my husband's school, they were able to go forward with the one-to-one deal because all of the businesses in the local area opened up their Wi-Fi to you know, kids in that area. So basically there's like no excuse that, well, I couldn't get to the library. Well, yeah, but you could go to the McDonald's or you could go to the, you know, whatever business. There's Wi-Fi right up and down the road here. You could go to any one of these places. You're not expected to patronize it or anything. They're making it accessible for the students so that they can connect. And no more of this, well, I couldn't get connected, so I couldn't turn in my homework. So there's not really that excuse, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's definitely not a problem for my kids. Uh, their their biggest problem with is uh, my control over their internet access and how mm-hmm. how device how devices get kicked off at certain times of the day. I don't mm-hmm. you know the kids have uh, tablets of uh, various. We have Kindles, we have iPads and stuff like that, and they need to step away from those screens at times. And frankly, mm-hmm. during the week, most of them most of the time around seven o'clock. Wi-Fi goes off because I have it filtered by MAC address. All it's, right, it's done. It's gone. Now, how old are your kids again? Uh, I have two that are thirteen and one that's uh, soon to be sixteen. So okay, so you've you've, you've got teenagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I, yes. I'm, I know I'm headed into that area. It's starting to get to be that way with like my my kid loves Minecraft. It's like <laughs> I was teasing him today. I said, "You just woke up and you're like Minecraft, Minecraft." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I haven't oh, yeah. done it yet, but I'm tempted to start putting those restrictions like i know how to do it and i will do it uh i just i don't want to but i know that it's coming i know that i need to start putting in in restrictions and he's just gonna have to i mean you know they're little kids our job is to guide them they can't always make the best decisions because they're impulsive and it's just like their brains are wired differently and we shouldn't be expecting them to really be acting any different either but we can guide them and if we have to put limits on it then we have to put limits on it it's just that's just the way it's going to have to be but i i'm setting my kids up in the beginning and i'm setting the expectation early on that you know because i have done i have done the change the password thing i have changed the password on the ipad and they know that i'm not messing around they know that the password will get changed if they don't cooperate or, or do what they're supposed to do. So yeah. I'm setting the expectation very early on because I have talked to so many parents who do have teenagers where they haven't, or they just didn't know how to set the expectation. It's not really their fault. I'm not blaming them, but they just didn't know that they had those options available to them. And I try to help people as best I can and say, well, you know, you could do this, or I'll say, you know, you know, you could change the password. Oh, I didn't even think to do that. Yep. That's, that's an option that you have. You just have to uh, put it into play. 
It's called parenting, not friendship. So sometimes you do have to, um, you know, set some rules, some boundaries, and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and like I say, I never, you know, we were talking about the age of our kids. Mine are all out of school now. My youngest is twenty two, um, and my oldest is nearing a couple years from thirty. So. Um, you know, uh, we cover the wide range here. And so when my kids was in school, I don't really think um, we didn't have to limit them a whole lot. Uh, they did different things. And, and, you know, for fun, my middle son would go out and he would hang out at the computer shop in town here because it was a high school kid, not too uh, only a couple years older than him. But I mean, that's what he did to get out. And, you know, so, but it was still tech stuff. But, you know, I just never we never really limited them. What about video games and TV? Did you have to kind of put no. the camera down on that stuff? No, as long as they got their homework done, um, mm-hmm. and we'd write them about that. So um, I we never really uh, there was times we would you know put the foot down, but most of the time it was as long as you get your stuff done, you know your time is your time. So, mm-hmm. well, the, so the thing that my kids always say that their their friends will come to them and say, "Well, I can't find you on Facebook," or "I can't find you on." The, <laughs> Twitter or something like that, and they're going, my dad works in IT. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's all they say, and they go, oh, because a couple times my oldest has signed up for services, and I saw the traffic come across, and I'd go to her, I'd say, um, excuse me, but why did you sign up for this, and what is it? Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's that's an interesting interesting thing to talk about, because I know that's coming, too. Uh, My oldest is only nine, so I got a couple of years, because, you know, the rule is usually 13, right? It's about 13 when they start being allowed to sign up for those things. Um, I haven't gotten them a Facebook account, but, like, they've had Gmail addresses since they were born, and... I just, like, when they were ready to use them, like, I kind of lied about the age so that they could use stuff. But I just had to do that. I just actually had to change the age on my son's uh, profile because, and we'll get into this. I wanted to talk about this a little bit anyway, uh, because you mentioned that the kids have Chromebooks. So I imagine they probably then have a Google Apps for Education email address through the school. Well, my son doesn't have that yet. They haven't, um, they haven't, um issued those because he's only in fourth grade i personally think they should get issued a login account at the third grade level uh so that they can start learning how to store their documents in google docs whether or not they use it or not but i think they should be i mean honestly i think it should be part of the enrollment process like when you're in kindergarten you should get issued like an account just don't they wouldn't give it to you to use it but you should be you should have an account ready to go so that you can just implement it when the time comes but um yeah. So anyway, so my son has a regular consumer account, and so I went in there. You know, every every couple of you know months, years or so, I go in and I I poke around there and I think to myself, now what kind of trouble could he could he get into? You know, you have to kind of put your, yourself in the mind of the kid. Because remember, I used to do this. I used to work at in this capacity. I used to be a mm-hmm. computer lab teacher, and that was the very first hard lesson I had to learn was that kids are going to hack things. That's just their nature these days. It's like an itch that has to be scratched. And I talk to my kid all about it. I always kind of give him like outlets or places where he can hack and play, you know, things that he can do to kind of scratch that itch. Uh, and so I was looking in his, his Google account and I thought, you know, all these, all these people, I, I hear these parents complain about privacy issues and um, that their kids are being advertised to and that sort of thing. So I went and I looked and I thought, okay, which things can I turn off and, you know, disable like Google Plus? You know, he's not going to really use Google Plus. At least, I mean, I have an account set up for him, but I kind of have like all the switches turned off. But I, I noticed something that um, because a while ago when I set up his account, 
I forget what it was, but I, I set it up so that his age, it showed that he was like 22 or something like that. And I thought, well, now he's going to get targeted advertising for a 22-year-old, and I don't want that. So I yeah. <laughs> I dropped it down to like 13 or 15 or you know something like that, even though he's only nine. But I specifically changed the age on the account because I thought to myself, I accept this as a consumer. I accept this as a parent. I know that we are the product. I'm not naive about that. I understand that when you use those services that they're mining your data, that they're they're looking for your stuff to give you targeted advertising. And because I've worked in advertising, I'm just very jaded and I just I feel like I just don't care. I really don't give a fuck what ads you're you're sending me. You know, if you want to if you want to send me because I'm a woman, you want to send me ads for maxi pads, go the go the go ahead. I don't care. I really don't care. I don't want to see ads for erectile dysfunction medication. I don't need that. I don't have that equipment. So get it out of my face, you know? I really just don't give two shits about it. But my my kids, you know, I am going to care about what's probably shoved in their faces. But then again, I also set them up in such a way that they're not seeing those ads. I don't have them use the Gmail mail on the web. Yeah. I don't have them use that. I have them use mail. So they're not seeing the ads there. I have them use apps that are filtering the ads anyway. So even as a consumer product, they're not seeing it. And then I also read that with a Google Apps for Education account, that's not, I know that it used to be, and I know that there was a lawsuit, but I know that Google has since changed their stance on that, and they're no longer advertising to the kids yeah, that yeah. have Google Apps for Education accounts too. Have you found that to be true? Is that is that one of your concerns as a parent who has a student? You know, your kids have been, have been steeped in it for the last couple of years, so... How are you getting on with that? Are you having any issues with their privacy and I, that sort of thing? I mean, I worry a little bit about it, but I'm not seeing much of it. I I think I'm fortunate in the fact that our school system is controlling it pretty well, and I don't see a lot of it because the kids are even counseled in, you know, you can send inter-school system mails, you know, within the school system, but you can't send they're strongly discouraged and i think they're filtered you can't send an email they they couldn't send from that address to say my address they can't they can't send out it's it's very well controlled i don't know how the school system is doing it and i'm I'm happy with that i'm okay with that that's good to know yeah yeah. it's an intranet it really is an intranet it's more of an intranet thing but yet they can get out to youtube but Mm -hmm. like on their chromebooks it's limited to youtube for education or something there's like uh they can't see certain things from uh they can't get on i'm trying to think of what's the college humor site i can't think of it that did all there's one called college humor i think okay that's it yeah that's okay that's the one i'm thinking yeah they can't hit that they can't hit vine they can't hit have you you gone in and used theirs and like tried to hack it yourself like have you you know, crawled into the mind of a like a little hacker kid and like, ooh, what can I try? Let's let's go type in some some bad words and see what we can find. I plead the fifth. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will admit it. I've actually I think that that was part of my job to do. And this was years ago before there was so much strong filtering. Was I would when I created the image that was going to go on the, all the computers in the school. This was you know pre Chrome and all that stuff. Uh, I would set up. Uh, I would set up the safe search filters. Now, they also had what was called, I think, WebSense or, you know, one of those yeah, things that the school, that the IT department of the school, you know, sets up. And I would go and set up the image and I would 
go and install it on one computer to test it out. And I give me like, fuck pussy, you know, like type it in all these like really bad words and see like, you know, if I were a nine or 10 year old, 11 year old kid, what would I look up? Like what, you know, what would I be Googling? <laughs> so I, you know, just what, what would come up if I typed that, you know, and, and see how strong the filters were. And it, you know, it was pretty good. Cause you know, little kids, you know, little girls are going to like, Oh, I want to type in kitty cat and I want to look for hello kitty. And like next thing you know, bam, chicka, bam, bam. There's like, yeah. you know, Exactly. All kinds of porno images coming up. I mean, these are innocent searches, but this is what happens. It's this well, is reality, folks. This is reality. You well, can't. I, I think that, that that's the nature of nerds. Is that uh, I, that's why we're engineers. That's why you know we we do certain types of jobs because we think along a certain way. One of the things is we think of the system, and we always uh, we're always testing the system, improving it, tinkering with it, whatever. That's why we have computers. That's why you know my computers half the time are you know in some state of something or another because I screwed something up because I didn't <laughs> see how far I could push it. But I think that's in our nature. Yeah, and I think that's why we make good IT people or good you know whatever because uh, you know even at the school there um, I. Push the boundaries a little bit just to see what works and what I can get away with or whatever, or you know, see if there is natural weakness there. So I think that's just the nature of our being is that we're going to, you know, if we see something, we're going to poke it, prod it, and see what it does, and see if there's holes in it, or see if there's some way we can make it better. Well, I think too for me, what happens is with the kids, they know what I do. They see me sit down and do stuff, and they're you know, uh, recovering dead computers, and they're going, "How did you fix that?" or "How did you do that?" and you know all the stuff that I've done for years, and they've seen the stuff that they that you know. While they're curious, they're they're kind of thinking. I'm pretty sure Dad can figure out what I did if I did something wrong. I'm, uh-huh. I'm not saying they live in fear of me, but they're like, you know, Mom in the physical world can see 360 degrees, right? And right. Dad can see 360 degrees in the digital world, so we're just SOL here. <laughs> right? Mom's got eyes in the backs of her back of her head. Well. She can also, you also know how to look up my history. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I had the uh, kids convinced for a while that I did have eyes in the back of my head. Um, <laughs> Because I was sitting there, and I think I was uh, dozing or something in front of the computer, and the screen the screensaver kicked on, so it went blank, and so in a so it was kind of a reflective uh, surface there, <laughs> so I could kind of see what's going on behind me, and the kids right. are kind of going, huh, huh? You know, like I said, it was short lived. They finally figured out what was going on, but well, you have the advantage, play it for all it's worth. Have oh, you yeah. ever done screen sharing with your kids and remote remoted into their screen? Uh, no. I'm oh, pretty sure. Gotta do that. It's fun. <laughs> not, not that they knew of. I love fucking with them. <laughs> Well, I yeah. think my middle son, who is, who is now doing IT himself, would have probably caught on fairly uh, quickly. Oh, my kids uh, know that I'm doing it. They, in fact, it, sometimes if the computer slows down, there's some kind of glitch or something. I hear from his bedroom, "Mom, are you doing that?" <laughs> He's trained. Well, we get the I get the thing where you know, occasionally if we'll have an internet outage or something like that. What did I do now that you cut back my internet? <laughs> <laughs> See, it's about raising that expectation. You know, they, they know they can't mess around. But I'm, I fully, fully expect that my kids will find some way to pull the wool over my eyes. I, I just know it. They're, they're, I did it with my parents. Like, okay, let me give you an example. When This is funny because we were just watching. Have you ever seen the TV show called Off the Boat or Fresh Off the Boat? 
No. It's, a, it's about an Asian family who moved from D.C. to Florida, but it's set in the 90s. It's set in like 1995 or something. And it took me a couple of episodes to catch on that that was actually what was going on because they had this episode where it was uh, – they were talking about the computer. Like they had just gotten a, a, a PC, a computer, and the, there was this boy who had this this restaurant ratings – the family owns a restaurant. And they had this, rati- this ratings page and – they somehow figured out some way to like sneak into his house and dad's like, aha. And like, he's all proud because he unplugged the mouse and he brought it out thinking that the kid wouldn't be able to do anything without a mouse. And uh, then they had this one part in the episode where there was a a part where the boy called a a girl, gave him her phone number and you know, this adolescent, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm going to call her. And so he called her up on the phone and then they showed like the split screen where the dad's listening in on the other line and there's the girl and then there's the boy on the phone and then there's like his little brother and he's listening in on the other line there. And my son (laughs) looks at me and he goes, how'd they do that? (laughs) And we had to give him this whole like, you know, history lesson and well, son. There used to be this thing called a phone line that you only had one, and it came to your house, and then we went even back further. And then there was this thing called a party line. You know, we talked oh, about yeah. stories that our parents and, and grandparents have told us about the party line. And, you know, see, he just he just was so flabbergasted by this concept that there could be more than one person on the line at the same time. Like, he understands Skype and FaceTiming and that sort of thing, but he just that totally blew his mind, that baked his noodle, that that there could be more than one person on a phone line at the same time. And so we told him about tricks and stuff that, that we used to do when we were kids and, you know, listening in on conversations and stuff. And when I was a teenager, <laughs> here we go. Well. When I was a teenager, I was dating a boy that I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to talk to. And uh, what I would do is I would have my, we would prearrange this, you know, passing notes and stuff. And we would prearrange this and I'd have my girlfriend call me. And then he would call at a certain time, like once we got on the phone for a couple minutes, and then he'd call, and call waiting would come through. And I'd click over, and then talk to him, and my mom never knew the wiser, because she thought I was talking to my friend the whole time, because the phone didn't, like, ring, you know? I just had him, like, you know, intercept through call waiting. (laughs) And I thought that was, like, a fun way to, like, hack, you know, I... She found out eventually, but I fully expect my kids to do something like that, you know, because I did it and it's just, it's, it's in their DNA. I just think it's just natural to expect them to try to find ways to push that, to, to push the system and, and see what it can do. Well, what happens if I do this, you know, but I, I guess I, I guess I just have a problem with parents who completely deny their kids access to technology because they think it's evil or they don't want them to have so much screen exposure. I mean, I get it. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, we do pull them off of it and we are their parents and they're, they're impulsive and they can't really regulate these things on their own. And we have to guide them and say, you know, you've been at that for quite a long time. Let's, let's go, let's go build with, you know, real blocks. Let's go dig in the dirt. Let's go read a book. You know, let's go, let's go pick up something made out of dead trees and, you know, do that for a little while. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a balance to it. Um, But I, I just think it's actually kind of bad for kids and their futures to just deny them all access to that just because parents are terrified that they're going to get into trouble or they're going to see something that they shouldn't see. And I know that's coming. I mean, we've, we've, uh, we've done a lot of Google image searching, you know, we've been down a couple paths to reports by now in fourth grade. And so we've had to do some research and this, this last one. So my, my son just, we just survived our first science fair and (laughs) his project was on 
it was a physics project, of course, naturally, my husband's a physics teacher, and it was on these two different kinds of balls, happy ball and a sad ball, and it was, you know, the ball, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, it's the ball that, had, that was made out of uh, Norcerex, and the other one's made out of neoprene, one bounces, the other one doesn't, so my son did this whole science experiment on exposing it to different temperatures, and we got to whip out the laser, uh, the laser thermometer, and, and all that kind of stuff, and it was really fun, and we used, we used technology. We actually, I, I thought they were pretty smart. They came up with this all on their own. My husband hooked up his iPhone in a tripod, and uh, one of the measurements that my son did was he dropped the ball in front of a meter stick, and then to see how high the ball actually bounced to get the measurement, they've recorded it in slow motion. Ah, cool. So they slowed it down so they could see how high the ball bounced. And I was like, ah, I'm rubbing off on you guys. I'm so proud. I was so proud of my little geeks, my husband and my son. It was a very, very proud Mac Mommy moment. Uh, so anyway, so, you know, we're researching things and we're looking up balls. And so we're constantly saying balls all the time. And like, how do you say balls without laughing? You just, especially when you have a nine-year-old in front of you. And so... You know, we're looking up the, we're doing this image search and we're trying to find, you know, good pictures to maybe use in some of the graphics or for the, for the graph and that sort of thing. And of course, like, you know, okay, where are the testicles? Come on up oh, there. They are <laughs> you know, like, like, you just know that you're scrolling and scrolling up oh, Harry Nutsack. There we go. Okay. See some, there it is. Okay. Let's just get this over with right now. You know, you just, you just kind of have to roll with it. I think, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen the first time that my kid says he's seen porn. I, I know that's coming. I mean, he goes on YouTube and watches Minecraft videos and walkthrough yeah. stuff. And we've talked about, um, you know, things that are inappropriate. We've said, you know, if you see people that are naked or you hear bad language, you know, you should either tell us about it and show it to us or, uh, you know, just click on something else. I gave my son an example not long ago. We were talking about, I was telling him how I'm concerned. I want him to have access to stuff, but he needs to know that there's a lot of inappropriate stuff on YouTube. Like YouTube is just a big old rabbit hole. And there's all kinds of stuff that they could see that they shouldn't see. And he's like, oh, but I'm just looking at Minecraft stuff. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of kids that post a lot of videos. I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of people out there that try to trick people by, you know, using a certain image or, you know, oh, I'll, I'll make the I'll make it look like it's about Minecraft, but it's really some porno, you know? And yeah, exactly. I told him, I said, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna see stuff. We, we use the term uh, that one of my brother-in-law said, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see that, that gets kind of burned in your brain. I said, I said, honey, you're going to see things that you can't unsee. And, and it's going to kind of hurt your brain for a while. You know, we, we'd like to try to protect you, but we realize we can't protect you from everything. But what I want you to know is that there's a lot of things that are built on algorithms. And then I had to kind of explain to him what an algorithm was. And the example that I used was like I said, you know, do you remember when we started a garden a few years ago and we planted this one particular seed that was a bean? It was like this kind of a burgundy bean or something. And something malfunctioned with the water pump and it got watered too much in one area. And long story short, this bean grew and grew and grew and it killed the rest of the, the garden. It kind of overtook everything and choked the life out of everything else. And I said, do you remember when that bean took over the whole garden? And, you know, we had this nice garden and it was really healthy and it was nutritious. And then we, we let it go and we didn't, we didn't care for it the way that we should have and we didn't monitor it. And this one particular seed ruined everything. And I said, well, that's what can happen to you in, when you're surfing the Internet and when you're, specifically when you're looking at YouTube videos. Because um, I don't know if you guys have experienced that where you're, you're looking at videos and then all of a sudden you, 
you find yourself going down this rabbit hole and you're like, how did I get here? And how long am I sitting here? You know? (laughs) And I just know that that can happen. And I said, you know, sometimes you might click on a video and you think it's one thing, but it starts being, you know, inappropriate content. You think, well, I'm just curious. I just want to go watch it. I just want to go see, you know, what's going to happen. I said, that's well and fine. You know, you're, you're curious. I understand that. But if you keep doing that, you're going to poison that. You're going to seed it with bad stuff. You're going to seed it with inappropriate content. And before you know it, the algorithm is going to take over and that's all that's going to be in your feed. And you yeah. started out looking at innocent Minecraft videos about how to do something. Next thing you know, you're going to be stuck with video after video after video of really inappropriate stuff that you're not going to be able to unsee. So you have to be really careful. You know, as soon as you see them, it's something that's inappropriate. You have to you know, get off of that, come, you know, see me, see if I can maybe clean up your history or, you know, do something to kind of reset that algorithm because you can really poison it for yourself. And that's yeah. that example that I used. What, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that that was a good thing to tell them? Does that make sense to you? I, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say it, it is because, you know, uh, yeah, it'll start bringing up, you know, like you say, the stuff that you don't want them to see. And they're at that age right now that, you know, without getting into a whole discussion of, you know, morals and, and values and everything, because everyone's going to have their own, but still they're at that age where they're forming their opinions and you would rather have, you'd rather be the one, you know, imparting your values rather than somebody else. Uh, and it's just, it gets real easy to kind of be, you know, seduced by some of that stuff. And, you know, like I say, a little, a little bit won't hurt and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And so, you know, it's, uh, and I, I like the idea that, you know, uh, poisoned and, and take over is, you know, strong words, but still, you know, you get too much stuff, inappropriate stuff in there. And all of a sudden what used to be not normal is now considered normal or whatever. And yeah, so, it's you know, sensitized to it is what I'm afraid of. Yeah, that too. And so, and it's just, you know, and you, yeah, so it's, it, this is the right age to explain to him that you have to, and start developing his own internal filter so that he knows what's appropriate, what isn't used, you know, and start to impart your values to him. So he knows so that when, so at some point we've always, um, uh, raised our kids and I've mentioned it on here a time or two before my oldest son is a high functioning autistic and we always raised him with the belief that he's got to be able to you know live on his own take care of his uh take care of himself because we're not always going to be here and it shouldn't be up to his brother and sister to take care of him so we've always wanted him to be as independent as possible well he is now what 28 uh 27 going on 28 and um he lives on his own he takes care of his, uh, himself he does his own cooking does his own finances you know does everything and and that was something that we knew that starting out at a young age we had to do and we had to you know get him to that point i know we had a few people saying you know thinking that we were being awful harsh or or something on him but no sometimes parenting you know you want to love your kids but sometimes you also have to be a little bit tough cuz the world can be tough mm, and yeah it's nasty and, you know, out there at times. Oh, yeah. And one of the things I kind of see at the school, um, this is a smaller school, only like about 100 students in high school. But still, we have a few not quite full-blown helicopter parents, but, you know, almost that, you know, you know, they're trying to protect their kids from everything. And you want to protect them from the worst stuff. But at some point, you have to um, they have to experience some of that just so they know that it's bad or it's not good or yeah you know, and sometimes you don't want them to get hurt either but sometimes they got to do that because you know you've got they've got to learn to toughen up a little bit but you know you still need to limit it 
limit their exposure in a controlled way. You just can't open up the floodgates and let it all wash over them. That's just wrong. I think the problem that we're having, or at least that I'm seeing here, is that not enough parents are on board with it because they don't know how to be. I think they're just really afraid of what they don't know. Um, Because I, I asked at my school, I said, well, you know, when when I when I was a site tech, when I worked at the school where I worked, the policy, the way that it went was kindergarten through second grade, they didn't have login accounts. They just were like exploring and they had guided activities and stuff. But once you got to third grade, you used basically like your library card number as your password. Like that was your like identification. So it kind of got the kids used to having to type out their full name and their ID number, right? And so it got them used to logging in. And so it was set up in a network situation where we had our own network. This was, you know, Novell servers, that sort of thing. So part of my job was creating that kid's account and making sure their name was spelled right and the name that they needed to use and that sort of thing, entering their ID number, making sure that it had the right permissions and that sort of thing. And then when the kids got to be third grade, they were issued this, like, basically, like, a, they, were, they were creating a digital footprint, and so they were given this key, and uh, some of the teachers would hand out like these long slips of paper that were laminated that would have this number on them. I, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I really would like to teach kids at the beginning, you know, you shouldn't share this password. This, this is your password. It should be yours, and you should keep it confidential. But, you know, I don't know, maybe that's just too much of an mm. early concept for, for a third grader. <laughs> I, I don't I, think so. I'm trying to teach my kids. Like, I started out with um, their 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 birth date, you know, is their four-digit PIN, just to get them idea, used to the idea of knowing what their birth date is and knowing how to type in a four-digit PIN. And then we moved on to something a little bit, you know, different, like having them change it to a different number that meant something to them that wasn't necessarily their 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 birth date. And like Keegan, he's only six, and he now has uh, his own one password, master password. It's something, you know, relatively short, but it's something that he kind of helped me come up his, with himself. You know, he, he came up with this word, this combination of letters and numbers. Um, it doesn't quite have a capital in it yet because he's, he's sort of like still learning that. But I use a tool like one password and their the combination of their iPhones to teach them about passwords and about password hygiene and that sort of thing. But at the school, like everything's the same password. They use like a word and they use things that are really easily guessable. And it really bugs me because it's just a matter of time before some other kid says, well, I know what the password is and I know what his first name is and I know what his last name is and I know the combination. So I'm just going to go in and like hack his account and delete all his scores or, you know, something like that. Like I'm just afraid of the, the cyber bullying that can happen. And I don't yeah. feel like the schools... Well are doing enough to combat that in the first place. And then second on that, I, I think that at third grade, like that's the age where they should be learning about password hygiene. They should be learning about logging in. They should be learning about becoming a digital citizen and the responsibilities that come with that. And they should, be, they should have an account that they're responsible for, that the teachers, that the administrators control, but that they're responsible for logging in and keeping private to themselves that they're that that's the only account that they log into and do their own schoolwork and then you know learn how to collaborate with google docs and that sort of thing so i said to the the teacher i said well you know why don't the kids have a login account and they told me that part of it was because too many parents complained because they didn't want them to have a google account i think part of that stems from you know this lawsuit that happened two years ago I, I think there's just a lot of fear and a lot of unknown where they're thinking oh my god it's google you know my kid is going to come home and Evil i was Empire. actually 
yeah, the, the evil empire and it's, it's, it's selling their souls and, and all this and that. And we just talked about that, how the schools are, you know, kind of cracking down on it. They can't email out and that sort of thing. There are a lot of protections. But I have to wonder if the education is there for the administration staff. Are they making the right choices? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I could get access to that, but um, I have my doubts about that. When I was an administrator, when I was a site administrator overseeing account creation and management, you know, what, you know, what if a kid moved or what, you know, we got a new student. Okay, we got to create an account. This kid moved, they matriculate out, we got to delete that account. Or, you know, this kid, I don't know, something happened, we had to reset his password or, or something. You know, all that kind of stuff is controlled on the back end. But we, the, the difference is that we all did that. It was a, it was a, an affluent school district and they could afford the cost of servers, of hardware, of boxes, of staff, of maintaining all of that stuff. Nowadays, schools can see how much money they can save, so they go with Google Apps for Education, and it's all managed for them. I mean, there's a lot of management to do, but you don't have all of that upkeep. You don't have all that back end, right, that overhead. And I think a lot of the parents are like, well, you know, we don't want them to have this access, but then you, you have to, that begs the question, well, then what are you going to do? Are you going to pay for it? Are you going to raise the funds to go buy a Microsoft server? what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do to solve this problem? And right now it's like, we're stuck. Like they just don't want the kids to have the access in the first place. So then, you know, what happened in our school, unfortunately, is like they tried to create this kind of shared folder system where they're using Google docs, but they're having all the kids log in with the same username and password. And I told them, I was like, Oh, I said, that's, that's an accident waiting to happen. And I, I told her, I, you know, she's new to this. And I was like, okay, let me give you a scenario here. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, let's, let's think about a simulation here of what could happen. And I told her, and I kind of got really big and popped out of her. I said, I said, yeah, well, she had already built it and already kind of like configured it and spent a lot of time on creating all these folders. And sure enough, it didn't last a week. The kids went to go access their projects and it took one kid that went and changed, you know, deleted something that another kid did and I was like I told you this was going to happen so I mean the kids need to have access but then when you have so much fear fear of the unknown fear of you know what's controlled what's not controlled there's not enough I guess there's not enough transparency I don't know there's not maybe there needs to be workshops but these parents are saying no I don't want this so the school says okay well we'll do it this way and then that breaks and, you know, when I was a tech, like my job, my number one job was data protection, was being responsible for the data. Do not let the data get deleted, get broken, get, you know, mistransferred, that sort of thing. It was all about keeping the kids safe. You know, that's why, you know, we laugh about it, but that's why, you know, I type in bad words in, in search filters to see yeah. what can happen to make sure, because my job is to keep the kids safe. So if something's broken, I need to be able to go and test it and think like a kid's going to think and make the kind of mistakes that a kid's going to make and see what I can do to break it so that I can go back and fix it and like kind of plug up those holes, you know. Um, But there's not enough of that going on, it seems. There's just not enough funding for staffing people that think like that. I think, I I guess I have some confidence in, uh, you know, 25 years as an IT professional or however long I've lost track, frankly, um, that I've been in IT as a professional that I do see our school system, our local school system being a little more diligent and cautious. And I see them doing the right things there. Um, That's great. That gives me faith in what they're doing. Um, because I would be the first to walk right over to the school board office, walk right in and say, look, mm-hmm. 
I can tell you you're doing this wrong, or I... I found a hole. <laughs> you need you to know, plug this up. <laughs> that's just like the with the... They put... You know, knowing that they're doing a lot of this sort of thing, when the kids brought their Chromebooks home, I didn't put them on my regular network because uh-huh. I did not want any of that traffic or any of the security th- precautions I have stored on that Chromebook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I put them... I built a separate guest network, and I put them over on that. Interesting, interesting. I might have to do that when the time comes. I segmented the traffic up so I can see how much traffic's getting used, and it's insignificant, honestly. Right, yeah. The Minecraft videos and my YouTube addiction are sucking up way more of the bandwidth (laughs) than anything else. But for the stuff that they're actually doing, I mean, they're actually doing schoolwork. They're writing reports. They're doing spreadsheets. They're making slideshows, presentations, documents. I mean... It's not like they're, you know, yeah, they might be, I guess in the upper grades, they might be producing video content of their science experiments, explorations, and stuff like that. I mean, it's all very innocent stuff. Of course, it could be taken the wrong way, or I guess it could get in the wrong hands, or it could be used against them, that sort of thing. I guess I just don't, personally, I don't, I get a little incensed about the whole, like, advertising thing. Like, okay, so my kid is, is doing a research project on elasticity what's gonna what do you he's gonna get condom ads or something i mean come on it's it's set up with his age it's it's appropriate it's i just don't get that particular fear i see why other people have it i just don't personally have it does that make me naive does that make me a bad parent because i just don't give two shits about the advertising that's being thrown to my kids when they're when they're in their school account because it's just not there. I just don't see this advertising that they're complaining about. Yeah, I don't see it either. And then I sit there and think about, you know, we're watching a family TV show uh, in the evening and Viagra ads are popping up. And, you know, yeah, help, yeah. You know, make sure that your your man, you know, can go all night and all this stuff. I'm going, and my kids are turning around going, Dad, I'm yeah, going. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well like for this house, we don't we don't even have cable. We you know the most we might see is like Hulu. But yeah, you're right. I mean, just like that one, we don't really watch like a lot of. I guess we watch you know we watch movies. We watch a lot of Netflix. You know, like we're still into Wildcrats and stuff like that. So we we still watch that stuff. So I'm kind of glad that my kids aren't getting bombarded with those kinds of advertisements. I think it is very it can be very predatory. So I get it. Like I am very sensitive about advertising. I'm just not sensitive about it when it comes to Google Apps for Education. I just exactly. don't see the problem there where so many other people do. And I just have to wonder if, I guess my point is, are they are they looking into this stuff? Like, do they not know that it's an education account so therefore there isn't advertising? Or, you know, what are they so bent out of shape about it? Like, is and, it just fear of the unknown? And are they also filtering, you know, okay, they can say they're trying to filter... Uh, ads and stuff that come at their kids, you know, online. Are you filtering the ads they see on television? Are you filtering the ads they see on billboards? Are you filtering the ads that they might hear on the radio if they happen to listen to terrestrial radio? Yep, that's a good point. I mean, you just, you can't put them in a bubble, but there comes a time when it just, it has to be practical. I mean, come on, the kids need to have some kind of access to this. This is their future. I mean, that's, that's my biggest problem with it is... I feel like that because a certain sector of parents are afraid of stuff, then my kids are then denied. I mean, really, and and the reality of the situation is they're not being denied because I'm showing them at home. I'm supplementing. 
I'm supplementing the education because I can do it. But there's a lot of kids, I guess I just feel bad for, that are not, are going to miss out. They're not going to get some of the stuff because of the fear that's preventing these uh, protocols and these these systems from being set up in the first place. And I just really feel that, you know, third graders should have exposure to an account. They should log in. They should be able to be uh, custodians of their own information. They should be able to manage that. They should be able to learn, you know, in fourth grade, fifth grade, how to collaborate and how to make that stuff in in a sharing environment. You know, I'm all for, yeah, you know, I want them to learn how to use Microsoft Word. I want them to use, you know, learn how to use Excel. But I also want them to learn how to use Google Docs and Google Slides and all the, I want them to have like a taste of all the different interfaces so that they can learn how to like problem solve and get their hands on it. I just, I want that hands-on approach to it. And I just feel like we're not quite there yet. But then again, I mean, I only have a fourth grader, so. But still, I just feel like 12 years ago when I did this, the, the stuff that my kids are getting now is like behind what they got 12 years ago. It's like we're going backwards a little bit and that worries me some. I just feel like there should be more tech. There should be more stuff. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that makes sense. I understand where you're coming from. Like I say, I think I've struck a good balance. I'm not going to say I've struck a perfect balance, but I think I've struck a good balance. Um, I mean, we had the whole struggle over uh, cell phones. Uh, most of my most of my kids' friends all have cell phones. We only just recently gave my oldest a cell phone, mm-hmm. and it's a pay-as-you-go cell phone. Yep. And I can monitor it very closely and see what she's used and what she hasn't used. Mm-hmm. And that you know, we we went through a whole thing where she had um, she had a really basic phone, and then we finally stepped her up because she wanted to. We stepped her up. She has an Android phone. Because she doesn't like iOS that well, I said okay, but it's still an Android phone. I can still control it. I I know what she's buying. You know, we buy the minutes for it, and you mm-hmm. know, we say don't go blowing through the minutes because if you sit there and blow through the minutes and the text, mm-hmm. you know what? You're not going to be able to text your friends when you want to. Oh boy! So it does have a limit on the texting. Oh yeah, it it cuts off if they use it up. It's gone. Mm. texting just stops my first thought is like well i would want them to be able to text me (laughs) so if she blows through her text and then she needs to get a hold of you then she won't be able to get a hold of you she can still reserve she could still call me Mm -hmm. i mean worst comes to worst she could still always call me if she can't text me um Mm -hmm. and she doesn't text a lot in school they did have a recent thing and that's one of the reasons i got her a new phone where the teacher in class actually said, okay, everybody take out your phone now and go to this website and do this and this, you know, and I'm going like, you know, that's unreasonable. There has to be people out there that can't afford mm-hmm. to have a right. cell phone for their kid. And to, for the teachers just to unreasonably expect the kids to, you know, pull out a cell phone and go to a site to get some information. I don't. Well, even know are they was. providing them for kids that don't have them? Nope. Really? That's interesting. Huh. So that's kind of a, a poor use. And I do mm-hmm. understand, you know, a lot of kids do have phones, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you have to strike a balance here, people. There's Yeah, that's a tricky situation, because I know, like, you know, my husband's high school area, the kids are, the, the rule is they're not supposed to have their phones out at all. And if they get caught with them, they can be taken away. Um, but he's been, he's been tempted a few times to look into, like, a, there's a, like, these clicker apps where, the teacher will want to say put something up on the screen, and they want the kids to engage and take a poll and be able to like answer questions. And so yeah. there's like you know these apps that you, or these websites that you can push out. That might have been one of the things that the teacher was using in that example. There's there's something called Kahoot 
Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And and that's a fun activity and it kind of utilizes, well, why don't we just work with what we have? Let's, you know, all the kids have cell phones. Let's just do that. And for like the five kids that don't, we'll give them like iPods or, you know, something that, that is in the school. So it's it's one way to kind of combat the issue of controlling the use of the the cell phones. They, they have them, you know. Why not why not use them? But I don't quite think the future's here yet. Just just not yet. Maybe maybe like out in San Francisco or like some other areas where it is a lot more you know Silicon Valley where it's maybe more heavily populated, but not quite here yet. I would like to see that in the future, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a little unreasonable. I think they have to kind of do a survey first. That's that's all all too many times the problem is there's not enough um research. surveying and testing and research yet done first to find out well let's pilot this let's see let's see what would happen it's more like oh well let's just do this and then it breaks really like it fails horribly like epic fail and then we're like well that sucked yeah <laughs> and no. and therefore ergo all technology sucks see we tried this and it and it fucked it up so we're not going to do it again you know and yeah, yeah. that's well I mean the, you know it's bad enough that in the middle schools here They've had to issue warnings about cell phones and cameras in the in the locker rooms. Oh no! Because they have yeah. problems with the. These are sixth and seventh graders taking pictures of their, we'll just say classmates, uh, and and posting them places, or taking pictures of themselves and sharing them in or the Snapchat room. and things like that. Oh, yeah, all kinds oh, of that. man, like really, it, that gets messy. It's sixth and seventh grade. Come on. Yeah. Well, right. you know well, we. We had that discussion when when they were littler. I think uh, just a couple of years ago, you know, they started exploring. Just the the one son he was taking pictures, and I said, "Okay, honey, let's think about this. Look, you have a beautiful body. I don't want you to feel ashamed of anything, but you also have friends, and your friends may come over here. And what's going to happen when you have pictures on your phone and you guys go, you know, go to play a game or something, and they see those pictures and that that nipped that in the bud, so that we haven't had that issue." <laughs> I'm only hoping yeah. that maybe that planted the seed for later on when there's a locker room situation. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, and I guess one of the examples I drove into my kids, to, you know, how stupid it can be, and I think it's a somewhat famous, there's a picture of this girl trying to take, you know, she's probably 15 or 16 years old, and she's trying to take a real sexy photo of herself, you know, and she's standing there holding the phone up, taking the selfie, and apparently she was in the in the bathroom because if you look very carefully in the toilet behind in the her, toilet, <laughs> she has yep. just taken a huge one, and yeah. she didn't flush it. So there it is. You know she's trying to be sexy and right there beside her is that it's like I'm always teaching my kids be aware of what's behind you when we're taking pictures. There's you know oh that's that great picture. Look at that guy behind is picking his nose. Gee thanks. You can't it, crop that out. Yeah exactly. And that's you know I said one of my wedding photos when when I got married. I'll never forget this. This this pisses me off to this day. Looking through my wedding pictures and you know God love him, my uncle was taking the pictures and got this really beautiful picture of my dad and I it rained long story short and it had to be taken inside and so we had this beautiful gazebo all planned up ready to go and it rained and so we had to go indoors and kind of really didn't plan that well for it unfortunately so he takes this really great photograph of my dad like one of the few ones that i have of me and my dad walking arm in arm and there behind me behind my head behind my my nice hair and my beautiful like veil and everything and this big fucking restroom sign <laughs> like well, how elegant is that <laughs> well you know and to kind of bring it back full circle because you were talking about pixelmator um or, uh, at, at the beginning of the show i we had gone out to man it must be uh close to about 10 
uh, years now, maybe more than that, probably about 12 years ago, we went out to uh, western uh, North Dakota, to the Badlands out there, and I'd taken this really nice picture of the three kids sitting on this rail fence with, uh, it just got kind of got done raining, so there was kind of some clouds in the background, and the Badlands out there are, you know, very colorful, very scenic, and, you know, it was a beautiful picture, and right there in front was this stupid, ugly cigarette um you know, the, the one of those tall ones. It looks, mm-hmm. well, kind of like a penis. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it sticks up like that. And so, and that just really bugged me. And then, uh, and this. I thought you were so going to tell me there was a cow taking a shit in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I would have been okay with. This is farm country. That's acceptable. Yeah. No, this big cigarettes. Uh, uh, stand there, whatever you want to call it. So a friend of mine had a copy of Photoshop, and this is like early days of Photoshop, but I sat there and meticulously cut this out, and then I had to kind of reconstruct part of my son's foot because I hid part of that. (laughs) So I did that. If you look, you can probably see that, but I took it out. You know, thankfully it wasn't a horribly complicated background, grass and gravel. Um, So I was able to take that out and I saved the picture. But yeah, you know, some of those things that you do uh, just to save a a good picture. uh, And like I say, it was worth the effort. I got it around here yet somewhere because we didn't take a lot of vacations. And so this one was kind of, you know, I won't say special, but it was kind of memorable. And just to have that picture and not have that big, ugly cigarette thing there was worth it. You're a good dad. Yeah, (laughs) I've had to do something similar. I took a great picture of my kids. Uh, first day they were going to kindergarten, waiting at the bus stop, you know, and all this. And I get back, I take the picture, I look at what the hell, and there's a crushed pack, of empty crushed pack of cigarettes. Aww. Like, uh, what's so, this, a cigarette ad? No. It's like, a nice picture of my kids. Now I got to uh-huh. crap all that out. And <laughs> it's like, damn it. So, yep. anyway. Do you talk to your kids about reputation management? Yes, I have. Don't had- do anything to embarrass yourself, and especially don't do anything to embarrass me. <laughs> No, and don't well, listen to this podcast because mommy swore. Well, they they already know that that daddy was wilder than mommy growing up. But, well, uh, and, you see, I was able to torture my uh, children in a special sort of way because I'm the, the custodian at the high school where they. Oh, uh, yeah. It, yeah, and I'm just a little out there anyway, so I would just kind of, especially my daughter, because she would react to it and just made it that much better. So I would do certain things, like we have this one stand-up auto scrubber, and so um, I would come out from behind the wall with like one foot uh, uh, cocked up behind me and the other one, my arm raised up, you know, like that. It's like, you know, um, one of those uh, poses of Merc. You know, the Mercury, the, the god of speed or whatever, kind of, you know, s- sort of a pose like that or something like that. And I would just do things like that. She'd sit, just sit there and go, oh, dad, There's stop her. it. Well, now, yeah. dad. See, see, what I do is I say, you do something wrong, dad's wearing the kilt to school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, well, they, and they live in fear. The dad will show up with the kilt on. Yeah, yeah. my dad, my dad, my my husband, the dad. He he's the high school physics teacher. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out when they get to be older. Uh, are they going to call him Mister Davis? I, I don't know. I we haven't really talked about that. Well, you know, well, it's funny. We did talk about it though with me because I volunteer in the in the kindergarten classroom and. I have a thing. I prefer to be called Mrs. Davis. I know a lot of women in my age group 
like abhor that. They just think, oh, that's my mother, you know, or so, you know, that's not, I don't want to be called that. That makes me sound old. I prefer it. I, I think it's a sign of respect. Oh. So I really want to be called that. But there's a couple of kids. There's one, one kid that's in the class that's a friend of ours. And I, and I kind of like had to sort of tell him, you know, don't call me by my first name. Call me Mrs. Davis when I'm here because yeah. I don't want all the other kids then to call me by my first name. And, and I, I have said something to it you know, to the effect with my son, I said, you know, you're my child, so it's okay for you to call me mom. But he actually, I was sharpening the pencils one day and he walked up and he said, Mrs. Davis. And I just no, looked dude. at him like, what? Oh, oh, you know, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know, well, he, that's, he knows. The other kids know I'm his mom, but I, I, I appreciated that. Well, and that's one thing that kind of gets my goat because uh, maybe I, uh, you know, I'm showing my age here, but I, I think that they ought to refer to the uh, teachers as Mr. or Mrs. or whatever. Because um, uh, some of them, you know, it's a, like a first name basis, even nicknames sometimes. And I don't like that because I remember I had a, an awesome egg teacher when I was going to school. And he was a homeboy, went to college, came back, was teaching. So there, in a small town like that, there was th- this familiarity there. And so we'd be at an egg shop uh, and we would have a question or something. And some of us would like, well, me specifically, but I wasn't the only one. We would kind of snap our fingers or whistle or, you know, say, hey, Kendall, you know, or whatever. And he, finally one day he sat us down and he explained to us that, you know, uh, when you're in, in school here, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm an authority figure. I've earned a certain amount of respect and you will show it to me, not because I'm, a, you know, uh, I – ego driven or whatever but it's just something that you do to show respect for somebody for an elder for you know some you know uh, teacher whatever and you know it's respect it's not about authority it's not about control it's about showing the people that you take them seriously and you will respect them to you know show them the um the respect that they've earned and i you know it's one of those lessons that stuck with me till this day you know besides which is kind of hard to ignore a six foot eight norwegian when he's talking to you but, uh, <laughs> well that's true but, you so know, what, that, is, what do the kids call you at school do they call you mr mcpeak nah uh, uh you know okay mr. i'm mike, a, well, I, mike you know I, i'll do that because you know they're you know i'm not trying to denigrate my position i i'm a custodian i'm not a teacher and I would rather have them say, you know, hey, Mike, there's a spill over here. You know, like, hey, I, asshole. <laughs> well, okay, you know, that brings up – okay, uh, for a, a character respect day, or, you know, they, they had this thing. It wasn't called character respect, but they looked at all the staff and they listed the f- top five words that described them. And um, I don't remember all of them, but one of the words was direct. So I picture this conversation happening when they were doing this. So they're, you know, something like, okay, everyone, what's a word that describes Mr. McPeak? Asshole. Well, no, we need a polite yeah. word. How about we oh. say direct? Uh, you know, like I said, I'm just picturing that because I am, I, I am a dangerous combination. Uh, the, one of my other words was honest. So direct and honest can be brutal sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, and I'm not. I'm sometimes about as subtle as an atomic bomb. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the older I get, the less I care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, well, yeah. and so. You know, it's sometimes I just kind of let my you know, and I try to be reasonable. I realize it's kids, and I just I, I try to you know maintain some you know semblance of uh, you know being a grown up here. But there are sometimes it's just kind of like no, 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 you know whatever. Mm-hmm. You know it's, that flows off the tongue rather easily nowadays. So well, you know, for me it was um, 
I, I compromise with my kids. We call, like my next door neighbor, who's a very good friend of mine, he's referred to as, instead of Mr. Washington, he's referred to as Mr. James. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah, way they refer to that's exactly what I've done. There's been a couple of, like I said, a lot of the people in my age group are, they don't like to be called Mr. or Mrs. And so, but I've told them that I really want my kids to use Mr. Miss or Mrs. And, you know, and so if that is a combination of that and your first name, then fine. And so that's kind of what we've compromised. The kindergarten teacher has actually done that. And that actually has happened to me too. When I was in first grade, our teacher got married. So her last name changed. So it was like a little confusing for a while, but I still remember both last names. I just don't remember which one came first and which one came second. <laughs> but uh, so she has actually resorted to just having the kids call her Mrs. with her first name. And that works for me. I just, and they do that at our school. That, that is the rule. All, they're all referred to as Mr. or Miss or Ms. You know, what, whatever they prefer. And I, I like that because I, I do think it shows respect. It kind of has that dividing line between you're the student and you're the teacher, you know. Well, uh, I'll wrap up with one final thing. I had an interesting thing. I went to vocational school when I was in high school. I did, too. And the principal there, oh, God, I can't remember his last name now. Uh, Probably wouldn't want to say it anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. He was, he was a really nice guy. And, you know, we always referred to him as Mr. So-and-so. Well, mm-hmm. I'd been out of high school, I don't know, maybe six, eight years, and I bumped into him. Because he turned out to be friends with a guy I worked with, an older guy that I worked with. And I said, how are you doing? And he and I said, Mr. So-and-so. He said, look, Kevin. He said, you're out of high school. He said, my name's Mike. Just call me Mike. He That's said, happened to me a couple of times, and it still feels so weird. And, I, and I've always had that, that issue. And even with growing up with uh, my next-door neighbors, I referred to them by Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, me too. And, and finally... I, I mean, I was. This is maybe ten years ago, so I was in my early forties, and I saw them at something. I think somebody in the neighborhood or something had passed away, and I saw them and I said hello. Uh, and I won't use their names right here. And a guy looked at me. He said, "Kevin, my name is Art. Just call me Art. This mm-hmm. is Mary Louise. I'm Art. You're old <laughs> enough now. You can call us Art, Mary Louise." <laughs> And well, that's, that's just interesting that they have that perspective, and it, but it still bugs me. And now when you're in my situation where now I'm a, a teacher, you know, I work with clients and two of my clients are my former teachers and I still call them Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so and they, they keep telling me to refer to them by their first names and I just can't do it. I have a neighbor down the street. He came by the other day and he said something and I know his first name's Ed. And I said, how are you doing, Mr. So-and-so? And he said, Kevin. It's Ed. I said, I know, but you're older than me by more than five years, and that's all it takes for me to have to throw the mister in front of it. <laughs> he said, I appreciate that. I said, it's Ed. I said, sure, Ed, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, it just, one of those things, I can't help it. It's It was instilled in me, physically instilled in me <laughs> when I was younger. Now, do you, and you have your kids do it then too, right? Yeah, I, well, I didn't physically instill the pain from not referring <laughs> <Right>. to somebody as <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. But, um, mm. yeah, they, they're good about it. They're really good. Hey, you know, this is Mr. James. This is this is Mr. Keith that lives up mm-hmm. the street, you know, and his wife is Ms. Barbara, you know, and that sort of thing. So it mm-hmm. it all works out well. So Some of our, our close friends, I'll, I'll have them referred to as aunt and uncle sometimes, too, because no, I just want there to be that, that, that delegation that this is a person of importance, you know. Oh yeah, we had uh, we have one of my uh, uh, one of my wife's and my friends is she's Aunt Pam. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not Miss Pam. She's she's a nut. Um, 
she, I mean, she was a hippie. She grew up in the 60s. She lived in a teepee for a year. I said, why, Pam? She said, because I could. I said, okay. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. I said, That's you know, cool. Whatever, it takes Pam. all kinds. You know, you know she's, she's, she's a classic, and we love her to death. Um, so, yeah, there are people like that. And we had a former neighbor that we were really, really close with, and she was Aunt Joanne. Her mm-hmm. Aunt Joji, as my oldest, referred to her because she couldn't say Joanne at first. So <laughs> it was interesting. Well, folks, I certainly hope you've enjoyed the conversation. I know I thoroughly have enjoyed having Melissa on, and we will again. We won't wait so long the next time to have her back. Uh, Sounds so, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So as I normally say, the other way's round in reverse back order. The other side flipped over backwards this way. Why don't you tell people where you can be found, Melissa, if they want to find out more about you? Well, I try to make it easy for everybody. So if you just look up the Mac Mommy or the MacMommy.com, then you'll find me. Yes, she is the Mac Mommy, as she is known to and fro here, hither and yon. So, and uh, thank you again for coming on, Mr. McPeak. Do you want to uh, explain to people where they might? I know you're rarely on the internet or anything <laughs> like that. Well, yeah. Well, I used to be, but you know, I got today. You know, you were talking about Minecraft, and uh, yeah, I spent most of the day playing Minecraft because my wife is gone with a girl's evening afternoon out whatever uh so i just sat down here leisurely playing minecraft and redid my whole you know sorting mechanism in here for sorting my stuff but so there's nothing wrong with that but when i do get on twitter uh i can be found at dsc chipman uh and i have my about.me page about.me slash mike uh mike mcpeak that's mcpe E-E-K. Um, and then, you know, if you want some, uh, you know, here, if you still want to hear more of me after doing, you know, listening to me here, you can check me out at uh, Sci-Fi Tech Talk uh, at SciFiTechTalk.com. And uh, today, uh, this morning, actually, we recorded um, uh, an episode of Johnny Monomic. Uh, with uh, Canoe Reeves in it. Uh, so that was uh, mildly interesting. Kind of a sucky movie, but I thought we'd had a lot of things to talk about in there. So, uh, But if you want you know, if you want your, some sci-fi and still want to listen to me, go over to Sci-Fi Tech Talk and check us out. Very good. And as I always say, I encourage you to go listen. It's always interesting. It's the It, it has enough tech without being just pure tech to make it interesting. So I would encourage you to go listen. If you want to find out more about me, folks, you can go over to a... Follow me on Twitter, excuse me, at uh, twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A or go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. If you want to find out more about the show, go over to thegeekiestshowever.com. We love comments and feedback on Twitter and we also love you leaving us reviews in iTunes. So if you got a chance, please do that for us. I pre- we do appreciate it all. And folks, I want to remind you of one thing. If you do nothing else between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. Each month I gather together a panel of photographers and we chat about a theme related to the art and craft of photography. It's not about the gear. It's about making better photos regardless of your camera. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.